We are a pair. All right. Thank you. Can you all hear me? Can you all see me? So we're in the middle of uh, the Lord's Prayer series, and I titled uh, my sermon today, Are You a Prisoner or a Captive? And that probably doesn't make sense to you now, but it will as I go through. And I'm going to ask you those questions again throughout the sermon. <laughs> All right, so our verse today is Matthew 6, 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive in this verse is cross-referenced with one other verse in the Bible, which is Matthew 8, 21 through 22. Peter asked the Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Not even seven times, replied Jesus, but 70 times seven. <laughs> how hard is it to forgive someone not just once, but over and over and over for the same offense or something different? And how often are we the first to throw a stone at someone's wrong? and dismiss our own sins that we judge to be less severe. We can be so quick to publicly flog others' shortcomings and hide under the radar of our own secret sin. There are three scenarios that I want to discuss regarding forgiveness. How God forgives us, asking for forgiveness, and forgiving others. Here is how God set the standard of forgiveness. Colossians 1 21 through 22, and I have the Passion Translation, which I think it states this best. Even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf, so that you would dwell in his presence. And now there is nothing between you and Father God, for he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. When you ask for forgiveness from God, you're forgiven by God. You are faultless by Christ's blood on the cross and his resurrection over death. There is no gap between you and God, and he is calling out the gold within you. Colossians 2, 14 through 15 says, He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record and the oldest arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all, our sins, our stained soul. He deleted it all, and they cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them, every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. Luke 9, 56, Jesus said, For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Um, I'm going to be quoting a couple times uh, the Essential Guide to Healing, Equipping All Christians to Pray for the Sick by Bill Johnson and Randy Clark. If you have not read this book, it is incredible, and I highly recommend it. 
Um, so this is Bill Johnson speaking, and he says, the word save in the original Greek language is the word sozo. It refers specifically to forgiveness of sin, the healing of disease, and the deliverance from torment. That is salvation. Jesus made the provision needed to save the whole person, spirit, soul, and body. Spirit of forgiveness, soul of deliverance, and body of healing. Forgiveness is power. It is a weapon against the enemy to cancel the plans of powers and principalities that want to deter our friendships, our relationships, our marriages. Don't be fooled that forgiveness makes you weak, that it makes you seem tolerable of another's actions. It is strength. It is hope. It is obedience. And it is claiming that someone is worthy to be saved because Christ died for all. There is a time and a place for judgment of sin, but it's not our place and it's not our timing. It's God's. Before I move on to my next two points about asking for forgiveness and forgiving others, I want to ask, are you a prisoner or a captive? Isaiah 61.1 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. Um, this, I believe this is also Bill Johnson that quoted this in the Essential Healings book. Jesus said he will set both prisoners and captives free. Prisoners are behind bars because of what they have done. Captives are imprisoned because of what has been done to them. The key for the prisoner is to repent and be forgiven. Much release comes to those who truly and deeply repent. But the captive faces a different challenge altogether. Sometimes captives need to forgive others, and sometimes they just need to use the authority given to them to get out of their captivity. So let's talk about asking for forgiveness, the prisoner. And remember, prisoners are behind bars for something that they have done. They need forgiveness. Have you ever experienced the wrath of someone's anger and bitterness when you need to repent and thought, I will never make someone feel this way? It feels like poison slowly invading your ears, down to your throat, and to your gut, and sits with you, resonating inflicting more pain to an already guilty feeling. Ever heard the expression, hurt people, hurt people? We often fail to understand the damage that sin and unforgiveness cause physically, emotionally, and spiritually until we ourselves are impacted in the same way by another. Forgiveness breaks that domino effect of hurt people hurting more people. Don't let guilt or shame rob you of receiving forgiveness from someone else or forgiving yourself. I've added a few references of guilt and shame on the slide because there isn't enough time in the day to fully share how these two emotions can wreak havoc on our lives. Guilt is a bad feeling 
um, someone has for something they've done. Shame is a bad feeling about who you are. It is identifying as the wrong. Guilt says, I made a mistake. Versus shame that says, I am the mistake. So often this mindset creates additional wounds, chains, and adds insult to injury already inflicted. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. The word tender-hearted towards one another translates as violent passions in the bowels. Hear me out for a second. It's not talking about those bowels. It's talking about the vital organs that seat your emotions, like your liver, your heart, and your lungs. For centuries, Eastern medicine has talked about emotions and how it can manifest in your physical body. Anger of the liver, grief of the lungs, adrenal fatigue, where your fight or flight manifests your reactions from PTSD, stress, depression, anxiety, immune disorders. These are all physical manifestations of emotional buildup that a lack of forgiveness can lead. 1 John 1.9 says, But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous, forgiving us our sins and cleansing us from all unrighteousness. The word cleanse is both physically and morally receiving a clean slate purifying from wickedness, freedom from guilt, to cleanse by physically curing or healing. When we ask for forgiveness from God, he is actively rewriting our story. So how about forgiving others? Remembering that captives are in prison because of what has been done to them. The captive needs to forgive others. Matthew 6, 15 says, But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. We're actually asking God to clean our slates to the degree that we're willing to clean the slates of those who have wronged us. We become liberated when our burdens... Oh, I'm sorry. We become liberated from our burdens as we liberate others from theirs. And I really had to chew on this for a minute. It really changes your perspective of how much you can forgive another, doesn't it? The booklet from small groups quotes Micah 7.18, which says, um, I think they quote it as, he throws our sins into a sea of forgetfulness. And I chuckled at this because <laughs> I've already forgotten what I did yesterday. And wouldn't life be better if we forgot sins of others against us just like that? You know that saying, I'll forgive, but I won't forget. AKA, trust is off the table. My vulnerability with you is out the door. My walls of control are now up. And I'm on high alert if it happens again. 
Can you imagine if Jesus went through the whole crucifixion and resurrection to come back and say, I forgive you, but I'll remember forever the wrong that you did. Bill Johnson also wrote in um, The Essential Guide to Healing, I think that for believers, unforgiveness is the greatest cause of affliction. God in his mercy created the human body such that it is unable to live well in that environment. We must heed its signs. Things like anxiety, regret, anger, hatred, unforgiveness, and jealousy are known killers. They eat away at our immune system and set us up for all kinds of physical calamities. I've recognized over the past couple years that vulnerability has a lot to do with giving and receiving forgiveness. Vulnerability is not to be mistaken as weakness, but a strength. It is powerful, and it is courageous, and it's relational. 2 Corinthians 2.7 says, um, where is it? Paul says, you should forgive and comfort those that have wronged you. Forgiveness is a multi-step process, letting go of the sin, encouraging and calling out the identity of the man you have forgiven. Sometimes it even means blessing them after you've forgiven them. Easier said than done could not be further from the truth. But can you imagine the impact on the person needing forgiveness? To know they are in the wrong, feel shame and guilt, and to be told, you're forgiven. This is not who you are. When I look at you, I see. And speak the truth of God over the person. Do you think their perspective would change dramatically from that point on? I wanted to share a story in Acts 16. It's a little lengthy, but it's so worth it. Acts 16, 16 through 34 says, um, and this is a story of Paul and Silas. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her, from her owners, or for her owners, by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept us up for many days, and finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them there before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped, beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So they've been unjustly imprisoned, beaten, 
and shackled. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. First of all, realistically, if I was just beaten and put in jail, I'm not sure my reaction would immediately be singing. Just a thought. But that I don't know what I would do in that situation. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. This is called praising before your breakthrough. Paul and Silas used the authority God had given them to break the chains that unlawfully shackled them. They're claiming victory before it happens because they know they serve a mighty God who makes not just the possible possible, but the impossible to be exceedingly triumphant. Because our God doesn't disappoint. He doesn't fall short, and he isn't just enough. He is beyond any measure that earth can contain. Sometimes praising through your breakthrough looks like you worshiping regardless of your finances, regardless of the diagnosis you've been branded, regardless of your loved one's circumstances, and regardless of what's on the other side of the door of fear. Not only did Paul and Silas praise, but the prisoners were listening. This is when your example of Christ in you counts most. What you do in the waiting, how you respond in tough circumstances, because people are always watching. This is your testimony in real time before it is answered in victory. We are the example, the change in the atmosphere, the light in the darkness because of Jesus within us, And when we act extraordinary with God, he does extraordinary things within us for others to witness. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, he rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. What does his life matter? The jailer's going to kill himself, and Paul and Silas stop him. This could be an easy revenge for an unlawful imprisonment. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to the others in in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. The jailer, so awestruck that these prisoners are all still accounted for, he asked to be saved in Jesus. Don't you want to cultivate that kind of revelation to someone who is so deeply rooted in their sin, their guilt, their shame, that you can say, wait, here's Jesus. He is your freedom. He is power and glory and grace. He gives out mercy like confetti and replaces your sadness with joy and prospers where you lack. The jailer went from imprisoning Paul and Silas 
to attempting suicide, to accepting Jesus as his savior, to feeding, clothing, and washing the wounds of Paul and Silas in less than a 12-hour period. That's a lot of emotions and a lot of drama. But Paul and Silas call that a Saturday because they know and have seen what God can do in their circumstances. God does not create bad circumstances in your life to make himself look great. He already is great. But what the enemy tries to use for evil, for temptation, for bondage, for shame against us, God can and will turn it for our good and his higher purpose in a way only he can do. The city magistrates find out Paul and Silas were innocent all along, and they free and escort Paul and Silas out of the city themselves. Can you imagine all the possibilities of how this story could have gone so differently based on Paul and Silas's response? They could have lost their faith and stayed in jail, or the jailer could have committed suicide, and his family would have only known the death of their father, and the prisoners could have never witnessed a miracle of the power of God. How you respond changes everything. Romans 12, 19 through 21 says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Consider what is good for all people. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all people. Do not avenge yourselves, dear friends, but give place to God's wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Rather, in your en- if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. For in doing this, you will be heaping burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We tend to want justice, judgment, revenge, and God calls us to forgive and feed our enemy instead. The word coals comes from a Greek word, which I had to screenshot and share with you all because I thought it was so incredible, and I hope you're able to read it up on the screen. The Greek meaning for coal is anthrax. The definition being a burning or live coal, a proverbial expression signifying to call up by favors you confer on your enemy, the memory in him of the wrong he has done you, which shall pain him as if live coals were heaped on his head, that he may be the more readily, or or he may more readily repent. The Arabians call things that cause very acute mental pain, burning coals of the heart and fire of the liver. Ever heard of the phrase killing with kindness? Hear me when I say we aren't doing good to cause pain. If that's the intention, it's the wrong one. God is asking us to be who he purposed us to be. Overcome evil with good. With his example and standard of living like Jesus. Watch your intentions and your response to others. Are you reacting to cause pain in the one that hurt you? Or are you responding how God purposed you to be. 
Forgiveness is not an easy thing to do, but God hasn't called us to do easy things. He's called us to do the right things. Sometimes we hold in forgiveness to protect ourselves from people that hurt us, but in reality, we're only holding ourselves in our own prison cell by keeping negative emotions of hate, bitterness, shame, and a victim mentality to claim us. So I'll ask you again, are you a captive that needs to forgive someone today? A friend, a family member, a spouse? Do you need to let go physically, mentally, spiritually? Or are you a prisoner who needs to ask for forgiveness? Maybe you need to forgive yourself. In closing, I invite you to come up for prayer if this resonates within you. If you have kids and you're all set for the day, please dismiss them and feed them because they're always hungry. God bless you and have a good day.